Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, we got a great conversation in store for you today. So, you know, when we're doing uh, and choosing these topics, uh, some would be considered interesting, some would be considered fun, uh, some would be considered technical, innovative. I would characterize today's conversation as important. And not that all of our other Realcom Live conversations aren't, but as most of you know, our industry is going through some pretty historic changes right now. Um, prior to the pandemic, we were leading uh, our way uh, in digital transformation within the real estate industry. You know, a lot more mobile workers, more digital workplaces. And uh, I would say our industry is probably a little bit further behind some others, but nonetheless, we still were moving forward. Uh, then came the pandemic and this massive global work from home um, project or, or um, the, the idea of telling everybody at the same time that they had to work from home, play from home, educate from home, and in some cases even get healthcare from home. So we probably condensed 10 years into two. And with that came an enormous amount of change as to how we view the workplace. The old days of the hour, hour and a half commute in um, are, were challenged. And now that the pandemic is over, they continue to be challenged. And it's, I don't think we have any pure data yet. The key number or, or piece of information that I look for is lease expiration date, because it will be that day where major companies um, you know, make decisions to either keep the same amount of space or to take less space. Early indications, anecdotal indications are that um, this is happening. And that's the focus of today's important conversation. In the built environment, you need to follow the money. The money starts with the tenant who pays the rent to the landlord and everything goes downhill from there. So let me bring on our three very important guests, Maureen Ehrenberg, CEO of Blue Skyer, Ryan Albaugh, Corporate Properties tech, tech Strategy Lead for Wells Fargo, and David Gunter, Head of Global um, Workplace for Pinterest. Hello, you three, how are you? Good, how are you, Jim? Good. Good. Not only are you three smart people, but I'm proud and happy to say you're also our three co-chair for our upcoming Cortec, which will be this November in Silicon Valley, where we get together not a large, large group of people. Over the years, it's varied in size, but it's it's designed to be an intimate conversation with people who aren't tire kickers, don't get into tech and innovation for the fun of it or because it's the shiny new object. And, and most of you uh, have been very involved with us over the years and know the kinds of conversations we have and, and the ideas and the innovation that comes out. So thank you for taking that role. You've all been advisors this year, your chair, uh, co-chairs, and uh, I don't think we could have picked better three. And I think this conversation will illustrate that. So let's, um, why don't you, you know, take 30 seconds each of you. We'll start with Ryan, go around. Just give the audience a little idea of what your day consists of for these big companies and all these massive real estate assets that you deal with. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Um, thanks for thanks for inviting me to this. Um, so my day-to-day -day, uh, responsibilities really include the development of a technology strategy for, for our corporate properties group. I work very closely with our technology partners to implement that, uh, <laughs> that roadmap that goes along with that strategy. We are at the, the very beginning stages of a of a multi-year roadmap that will really i think put a lot of new and uh great innovative tools and functionality 
into the hands of our corporate properties team, uh, allowing them to operate the real our real estate more efficiently and effectively. So um, we've got a lot of projects in the hopper right now. Uh, we've got a lot of great work with new real estate strategies and adopting our tools or finding new tools to meet those strategies. So a lot going on in uh, in my world these days. Well, and we see the Wells Fargo signs everywhere. Um, give me an idea, how many square feet totally in the portfolio? Uh, I think we're right around 80, 82 million square feet right now. And that includes uh, our offices, our branches, um, and some other uh, r random <laughs> types of real estate in between but most, mostly office and branches. Big portfolio. David, what does your day look like? So just for some uh, perspective, Jim, and, and thanks for inviting me. Um, I was hired in February of 2020. And so literally like, like a month before the, uh, the world came, came to a halt. And so everything that I do today is fundamentally different than, than the job I was hired to do. And I, I don't think that's different than a lot of people in, in, the, um, in this work. Really, I spend most of my time trying to figure out what is the purpose of our real estate strategy and, and real estate assets going forward. Where do we put them? What is their purpose and, and how do we build them? Um, and there's a lot of intersections with te technology, of course, but really understanding the purpose of the office for the post-COVID worker. Uh, and it's, it's completely different, at least from what we're seeing in early patterns, um, large spikes of events, um, people coming together to meet on periodic basis, uh, but this steady rhythm of the daily commuter uh, is obviously much, much smaller uh, than, than pre-COVID. And so having to account for those spikes in volume is, is challenging. Um, so just in terms of the total number of uh, total amount of space we need, but also how do we build it? How do we make it fit for purpose and most effective for our team? So that's that's the majority of my time is, is really thinking about that and working with my team to um, to come up with new ideas. And and we're going to get get to it in a moment, but you know, starting in February of 2020, you were one of the first people in to make major decisions on your portfolio. We'll get to it in a second, but I'm looking forward to that conversation. Maureen, how are you this morning? Oh, very well. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for inviting yeah. me. Um, Absolutely, it's a good uh, good group here. So I think that um, really what we spend day to day on is very much between what Ryan and Dave are speaking about, our role is more of a facilitator and then a strategic advisor thinking through. So one solving for the cost issue. Um, so once someone's finally landing on a model where, where they've looked at their costs, they've looked at the productivity implications, what is the convenience uh, or inconvenience of a commute uh, for these um, different kind of profiles that they'll look at for personas for workers. And then ultimately getting down to utilization and understanding an operating model needs to be created. So looking at the technology, looking at the people, looking at the built environment, and then understanding that there's many different opportunities to consume space as a service today. And so what is that right fit for purpose model for that organization? And it differs. Right. Well, and just to give some context, your career, senior level executive at CBRE, senior level executive at JLL and WeWork, you have touched hundreds, if not thousands, of major multinational companies dealing with their real estate needs. So um, it's not just somebody who's sitting here talking, it's somebody who's been at this a while and understands that what we're about to talk about is not an easy problem to solve. This is complex, has a million moving pieces, 
and and you just can't find a shiny new object, you know, apply and wake up in the morning and your problem is fixed, right? So that that's the context of this conversation. So I always like to get right to the heart. So all of your brethren, your peers, corporate real estate, executives, facilities, senior facilities people, workplace people, what is keeping them awake at night? And, and I'm going to go to David first, because David, you kind of already mentioned this a little bit in your open. So give us, elaborate a little bit. I mean, not just you and Pinterest, but what are you hearing on the streets in Silicon Valley? Yeah, I think um, there's, there's a lot of different things depending on where you sit. So I think people who are, are used to supporting folks in the office are, there's a lot of anxiety because you're not seeing people come back at the same rates that maybe we had hoped. And certainly some cities are, are coming back more than others. Um, people, my peers that I talk to, seeing very similar patterns to um, there is absolutely a desire for people to get together and spend time together. Um, but I think there's a, there's really a demand that it be more purposeful, planful. Um, the environments that we create to host these events need to need to really accommodate those events. And so the workplaces that we've built over time with, with uh, flexible workstations and conference rooms, really don't seem to to match the supply and demand of what we're seeing today and so i think what, what i encourage my team a lot is we, we can't really measure our performance in sort of the old paradigm of i manage this many square feet i have this you know this many locations we really have to redefine what it is um, in terms of the services we provide the amenities we provide the experiences that we create because if you measure your your worth in, in square feet and, and, and number of properties i, I think people may, may be disappointed message. going yeah. forward so anyway yeah it's a wrong message that that, that that that's old paradigm i remember going to events and and everybody would you know kind of oh, i got x millions of square feet and and that was that was your your badge of honor not anymore it's it's a whole different different world maureen so you know you talk to a lot of people you're just not running one real estate organization you're helping many organizations <clears throat> What are they freaking out about today? I mean, you, you said you were on a call this morning. What is the what is the conversation? Well, the conversation is typically around. If I had to look at um, areas, number one is operationalizing uh, not only this new concept of however they're going to view their space and consume their space and manage production space and data centers, but because it's all different. So you have to have a strategy for the different components, but how are you operationalizing ESP throughout those workflows? <laughs> how are you actually operationalizing your digital strategy? So a lot about what Brian and Dave are talking about, that has to flow through. So you're looking at all of your old work streams, your old ways of doing project management, facility management, workplace services, site acquisitions, land acquisitions, and then redefining the integration of those work streams. That's a very, very, hot and important topic because it's the only way to change the way you're working. In the, I think there's this recognition and it goes along with Dave saying everything else, if it seems like it's just something you're pulling in, it's not consistent, it's not part of how you do your, your, your job. And then the other thing is just this complexity around where should the real estate be before the pandemic, everyone knew it had to be at the corner of Maine and Maine. Well, guess what? The corner of Maine and Maine isn't so hot right now. It's these district areas, it's these niche areas. What is the next hot niche area within an urban environment? Because people prefer to aggregate there. Maybe it's the street parking, the convenience of restaurants and shopping or whatever is around it. And people are solving for it in different ways. But 
I will say a lot of investors in corporate select are scratching their head that it's like, how the heck did the center go out of the center and go start going out in all these different cool neighborhoods? Right. Well, and then, then you add the crime factor that we're hearing, seeing in all of our major cities. The CEO of Prologis was robbed by gunpoint and basically said to the mayor and to the governor of California, fix it or I'm taking my company out of here. Right. So we got now we're post pandemic and now we got urban area issues. But but tell me this. How do we solve conflicting problems? I need you in that office. We need to build build culture. You need to do that hour commute. And yet we're going to meet those ESG goals, which means we can't burn carbon that you burn on that hour commute. I mean, there are so many conflicting goals. Well, I'll just say one more thing on this, and that is uh, a lot of people are using RTO, return to the office, return to the office. And I was speaking with someone yesterday that's like, we've just got to drop the R because no one's returning to the office. So it's more around redefining how we are going to use it, when we're going to use it, what it's for, a lot of what Dave was just talking about. So that's one of the biggest issues is executives finally making those decisions around the portfolios that they've been you know, pushing decisions off, pushing decisions off, pushing decisions off, because there still is, with many leaders, a desire to have everyone around them. And you just have to balance between your company culture, what is your culture of work? How are you defining that culture of work? And then how are you rolling it out? Well, an article yesterday, the CEO of General Motors apologized to the workforce because they put a policy in place as we need you back in the office three days a week tremendous pushback to the point where she had to apologize and basically saying, okay, we're, you know, we're sorry. And we'll revisit this after the first of the year. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my career where, where the workers are dictating and I get working from home. I get mobile workers. I get the flexibility. Um, but I also understand, you know, that sometimes work requires people to be in the same place. Maybe not that urban center anymore, but maybe like you said, satellites and in, in areas, but I've never in my life seen this amount of tension uh, in in how we're going to use specifically corporate space, which P.S. are the tenants of the commercial folks. And, and we're going to get that to a second. And, and I'm going to I'm going to let you guys know we're probably going to go a little longer on this Realcom Live because I'm looking at the clock and we haven't even begun to get into questions. And this is probably the most important topic. So if you guys wouldn't bear with us, maybe give us an extra five minutes. We're going to go a little longer today. Um, Ryan. Um, you're, you wake up in the morning, eyes wide open. What are you thinking about? Well, I mean, I, I'm, uh, you know, probably echo what, what Maureen and Dave has said, has said up to this point. I mean, we, you know, we've, um, we've had a, a group of Wells Fargo staff that never left the office, right? Those folks who, who went to the branches and, and supported our customers and their financial needs, they were always in our, in the office uh, performing those activities. So, so part of our work staff was there. Uh, part of our work staff, like everyone else, probably came back at the beginning of this year. Part of them just came back like within the last month. And so we are actually, Maureen, still returning to the office. And I think what what um, things that we're thinking about, Jim, is as we're coming back, we do have some uh, asks of our staff groups of, how many times a week they do come back, but that's going to impact how we use our space. That'll impact how we design our space. That'll impact how we make adjustments to the technology uh, because we want people to be have this sort of this hybrid um, uh, experience, but it needs to be 
especially for Wells Fargo, obviously secure, right? When you're working remote or when you're working from home, as secure as if you're working uh, from the office. And so, um, you know, how do we as a corporate properties group uh, extend the workplace experience to uh, to the hybrid um, experience, right? And so thinking you know, about and we're the gonna, digital. Uh, we're we're going to get to that in a second, the experience. Is that a social experience? Is that a collaboration experience? Is that an intellectual experience? We're going to get to that in a second. Let's take a brief break. We'll come right back. And then um, I want to talk about the shedding of space because that is the key number we're all looking at. If something's going to really transform an industry, if we're, how much of a reduction of office space are we going to see in the next 36 months um, to get an idea of what this thing looks like on the other side. Be right back. All right. Um, so, uh, David, February 2020, you started Pinterest. You guys made a headline that year by being one of the first, the most aggressive organizations to say, we get it. We know where this is going. We can see the future. And we're willing to pay $89.5 million dollars to cancel a lease because we don't think we're going to need that space. That was way ahead. Why don't you give us a little overview of that, that time frame when you were making that decision and, and, and what the thinking was all about? Sure. I think, you know, it's easy to read the headline and think, you know, that a company's abandoning a market or, or, you know, indexing entirely towards virtual first. And in our case, that really wasn't what was happening. <clears throat> it was, we had the benefit of having some optionality. And so, you know, we had additional real estate footprint in the market that we were able to, um, to take advantage of that we were already occupying. And, you know, the way I think about options analysis is you already are where you are. You're, you're likely going to be wrong in whatever decision you make, how wrong can you afford to be? Okay. <laughs> and so it's really a matter of scenario modeling and understanding what are what has to be true in order for us to make a good decision or for this decision to be a, a good one and so i think in in our particular case it wasn't sort of abandonment of the office in general or the concept of the office it was that particular project was something that didn't make sense, sense for us in the moment um, we had optionality in san francisco already uh, and we had an idea of of what covid might do to the the workforce long-term. I mean, I, I don't think anybody certainly predicted what, where we're at today, but we weren't naive and, and had some idea that this was this was existential in nature. This is gonna be long-term, this is not transient. And so we were willing to make that call based on you know, the analysis that we looked at. Are you, are you able to share the square footage of that project? Uh, sure, yeah, it's publicly reported. It was, I think, slightly under half a million square feet. I wanna say like 460, something like that. Big project, um, big project. Yeah, so we would have been an anchor tenant in that project. And um, yeah, it's unfortunate when things like that happen. Um, you know, certainly we wouldn't have, you know, done something with the intent of, of not doing it. But um, yeah, that was uh, it was the best decision for us. But, it, but if, you, if you look at the constructs of the idea of digital transformation and what we were all out there <clears throat> for 10, 15, 20 years talking about, started with a laptop, computer, and freedom from the desk, the pandemic just accelerated that whole mindset by absolutely yeah, yeah i think i think really what it did is it it made controversial topics or third rails normalize them and so you know right. us in, in corporate real estate have been talking about hey we should we shouldn't have a signed desk this person doesn't come in every day why do we have that and it was always too hard of a problem for for companies to have to address and all these things that were difficult just became no-brainers and so 
if in my mind, COVID was really just an acceleration of, of a lot of things that needed to happen. It wasn't the introduction of novel concepts necessarily. Right. Ryan, when we were talking the other day, you gave a number. Are you able to share the percentage that Wells Fargo is trying to get to as far as shedding of space over the next few years? Yeah. What I'll say to that, Jim, you know, it's it's probably it's likely going to be somewhere between ten and twenty percent, just kind of based on on how uh, our hybrid workforce comes back and and ends up leveraging our space. Right. We, we had we went we actually were moving to an unassigned seating. Uh, situation before COVID, we were on a track to start shedding space before COVID. We had some tasks that we were trying to meet. I think, to Dave's point, we, we that accelerated, and and now that we're in a more of a hybrid mode, that will continue to escalate. You know, we as an enterprise are moving more towards agile, and so creating agile spaces for for our teams, uh, you know, more collaborative spaces, more amenities, all that kind of stuff are, are areas that we need to look in. What we do know is that a lot of the traditional workstation space, especially the space that we have today, is likely going to go through a, quite a few renovations as we look to downsize. But even a 20% portfolio of your size, it's a lot of real estate, right? It is. Yes, it is. And, and you know, we, we, we probably have a lot more to do, especially on our on our branch side, you know, we we've we've taken the the, the enterprise has taken a, a technology first approach to our digital banking for digital banking. Um, so I'm sure we'll start to see some um, impact of that as that strategy rolls out at an enterprise level, and we'll start to look at and see where where does it make sense to consolidate some of the branches. Uh, I know we've got you know high concentrations in many areas, and as we go more digital, I'm sure we'll see a a higher a rate of um, dispositioning of those properties. Well, and, and Maureen, before I have you answer that question, um, yesterday an article about the CEO of General Motors put the th back to the office three days a week policy in place, got such a backlash from the workforce, she was forced to apologize and to uh, walk back that policy and said, all right, we'll, we'll deal with this after the first of the year. That's a stunning occurrence that a major organization like General Motors would be seeing that kind of you know, depth of pushback. And I think about that in relation to what Ryan just said, if, if Wells Fargo experiences that, that number could be a lot higher than 20% as the next 12 to 18 months tell us what, what this new workforce is going to look like. So Maureen, you, you, you talked to a lot of people. Give me, just pull a number out of your hat, and, and we're not going to hold it to it, obviously, but... What's the number of real estate that's going to be shed by corporate America as a percentage next 30, 24 to 36 months? I'm, I'm going to say closer to 30, 40%. It's probably double at least um, what Ryan's saying. Some have gone 100%. They've shed all of it. Um, again, depends on the business. I want to be clear. I believe that there is a need for a workplace. I do too. Absolutely. So what I what when I was saying what my friend said, it it supports what happened at GM. There are many many of these leaders that we speak with that have made the, the real estate teams have come forward with uh, hybrid work models. They've come up with the idea of consuming space and trying to rationalize and sharing and unassigned and open and maybe creating a lot more collaboration space. And they're like, wow, that's a lot of capital. That's a lot of project management. And Dave just said it earlier, there's no right 
answer right now because they really don't know ultimate demand. So there's this lack of some groups don't want to invest yet. And there's this hope. Hope is not a strategy, but there's hope where, hey, everyone's going to return to the office the way it was. The point is, that's a perfect example of a whole group going, mm -mm, no, no. Well, so yeah, hybrid, yeah. The hybrid is the solution. It's this incremental. And so what will happen is that 40% may end up being 60% in five years. Because what's going to happen is people can then iterate and iterate and look in, and use other models like a WeWork or a um, you know, industrious, they can, you know, use that to buffer. So there's all sorts of options and that's where people are getting to in these hybrids. Yeah. And, and, and when you think about what it's going to take to get to that model, to undo all the, the formats that we put in place, the cube farms and the conference rooms that aren't enough to David's point, and, and, and it's all going to come at a cost to your point. And, and that's, what's going to be, I think the real struggle paradigm shifts are never easy, you know, and, and I think you're, I was going to say 30 to 35%. So if you came off your 40, I'd say, I think 30 to 35% is something that uh, is not uh, too far-fetched. Um, all right. One other question as it relates to that, and we've lost David, hopefully we can get him back. Um, are the people on the other side, the landlords, are they aware that it could be 20 to 30%? Let's, let's pick the average, okay? Are you hearing, you know, what are you hearing, Maureen, on the streets? Are they preparing for this? Are they planning for this? Or are they kind of thinking and hoping things are just going to go back to, you know, old school normal? No, I, I think, yeah, there are probably some landlords that think that, but I think for the most part, the landlords are highly engaged and tuned in the conversation and they are getting creative around the use of space. And that's the beauty of, I think, uh, you know, you talk about ESG, mixed use opportunities, different uses within buildings, rethinking malls, rethinking office buildings, rethinking some of these older motels that are everywhere. There's a plethora of them, but what can be done with them? So I think the real estate investment community is really responding to this, rethinking, okay, that was an office building, but maybe it doesn't need to be pure office building anymore. That can be mixed use. So that's what they're thinking. They're also doing, uh, providing co-working and different types of collaborative space themselves which I think is really smart. All right. So we only have a couple minutes, even after I extended us. <laughs> um, I just, if you can answer this in 30 seconds, because I got two more questions I want to get through. 30 seconds on this one. Ryan, give me a top technology concept idea that will help in this formulation of this new hybrid workplace. What's a technology you're looking at to, to make this thing ubiquitous for the worker, no matter where they're doing their work? Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of technologies, uh, Jim, what I'll say, so, so and supported probably by a, a platform uh, or a set of platforms that are come together through API. But I think the, the, the single most important, and Maureen touched on it a little bit earlier, is being able to measure utilization at least near real time. And that's a, that's a number of technologists. I think that can, can perform that based on, you know, what kind of strategy you deploy for that utilization. But if you don't understand who's coming into your spaces, when they're coming in and how frequently they're coming in, you probably have no idea how to change that space for the future as right. it starts to not get used the same ways or need to get used in the same well, ways that, or how to design that space. And that, that goes to our off camera conversation about universal wideband 
uh, and in the privacy issues, uh, that's an easy thing. You know, everybody's phones now have it. You can monitor that pretty easily. But then there's the privacy issues that have to go around with that. Right. Maureen, number one technology idea that's going to be in this hybrid workplace. It, it, I, I believe it is going to go down to utilization. However, I'm going to put a little asterisk next to it. The ability to understand the experience the user had that during that use time and how productive it was to feed the model to understand more of this, less of that. Right. David? So I think about workplace technology as sort of like two major buckets, and I'm not a technologist, but I think there's the backend systems, the management systems that folks like me use to understand what's working, what's not working, utilization being one of them, and that's, I think that's huge. Um, we're, we're investing in some, some pilots to see um, you know, how, are, how are the spaces being used. But I think there's also this big bucket of tools and technologies that are end users experience. And I think when you've taken away a lot of the uncertain, a lot of the certainty of the office in terms of my assigned space is here, I go here every morning. Um, there's this this contract between worker and company has sort of been modified in that you don't you don't really know what 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 the situation is when you walk in. So I think having technology at the user's fingertips that allows them to navigate, that allows them to get updates, allows them to see when their coworkers might be nearby, et cetera. There's, there's a, a real cross-functional opportunity that spans far beyond just the workplace real estate function that I don't think we've really started to take advantage of. And, and that's, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. And, and if you think about the, the, this merger of real estate and technology, what is best served in the virtual environment and what is best served in the physical? I remember when I started my career, the reason I went into the office, well, everybody did, but because that's where the $100,000 photocopier was, that's where the fancy conference room was, and that's where my files were. Well, all those things are gone, right? We're, we're now in the conference room digitally. Our files are up in the cloud digitally, and there are no photocopiers per se anymore. So what is that technology that's going to have people needing to go back into that office. And I believe it's going to be the, the, the immersive collaboration, the Star Trek teleportation kind of things, seeing all of your home workers on a screen in the, in the, in the kitchen. There are a million ideas and, and we're out of time. So I'm not going to get to ask the last question, but I'll kind of answer it for us. You saw what happened to this conversation. We just got started. Uh, I just want to encourage everybody who's watching or watches it later to, to get to Cortec. It's going to be a day and a half, small intimate event where we're going to roll up sleeves and probably ask more questions than we have answers. But we are going to show immersive new technologies that nobody's seen before. Actually, they've been around, but nobody's seen them in a long time. We're going to talk about these virtual environments colliding with the physical space. Uh, and what does it mean when you get that perfect blend of real estate and technology? To help solve some of these problems. So um, thank you all for being here today. If this is any indication of what's going to happen when we're together at Cortec, we're in trouble because you know, we could talk for days uh, and we're hopefully have you know at least uh, 12 hours that we can roll up some sleeves and get this. So thank you for being our co-chairs. Thank you for investing the time, not just this year, but for the last 10, 15 years uh, and being leaders that you are and uh, and for your time today. So thank you so much and i'm sure we're going to be in lots of conversations over the next month and a half and then uh, we'll see you in san jose um mid-november great thanks jim thanks jim thanks everybody bye ryan bye dave bye. all right so you saw how that conversation went we did not even 
get to the tip of the iceberg. Um, we were planning on detailed conversations on the technology. We ran out of time because those first couple of questions are just so big. I mean, what are we planning for? What kind, how many people, how often? And, uh, and you can't do anything to your built environment until you answer and really challenge yourself on some of those fundamental questions. So with that, let's bring Nancy on for the news this week. Lots going on, Nance. I will get hey. out of here. So, sorry for being over today, but I could, there's no way we're going to get that into 18 minutes. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Thanks for having Hey, this is an epic uh, segment as well. I think today is our 100th anniversary. It is. Yeah, yeah. Good so job, Congratulations team. on 100 of these. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great me. panel to have celebrating with us on that 100th yeah. anniversary. Such smart people. Such smart yeah. people. Good. Let me get out of your way and get to the news. All right. We have a news graphic coming up. There we go. Here's a recap of a few of the stories from our weekly news briefing, which is published every Thursday morning. Our lead story is from Kevin Kincaid and Andrew Creamer with Grobner. They're sharing about shifting their focus from using digital technologies that solely support active occupation to providing a digitally enabled end-to-end -end customer journey. This is being driven by both occupier demand and an emerging technology industry demonstrating opportunities to drive efficiency, customer satisfaction, insights, and commercial returns through new and innovative products. Innovation and creating a digital by default mindset is now core to the way Grosvenor operates, working with established companies and new prop tech startups to trial technology solutions that improve the tenant experience. Those trials that are successful can be scaled up quickly and integrated with their digital offerings. They're making investments in early stage companies able to support their goals and deliver tangible benefits to their portfolio and for their customers. Check out the article for more on how Grosvenor is integrating the property, the place, and the community in a seamless manner that will differentiate them and the experience for their customers going forward. Our second article comes from our tech partner, Cone Resnick, on the topic of sophisticated simplification for real estate. Authors Ritchie and Dunleavy point out that, the real estate that real estate organizations are powered by complex processes and technology infrastructures. But as market conditions demand increased agility to make nimble business decisions and deliver on seamless experiences for customers, CRE businesses need to look to simplify these processes and architectures to remain relevant. In the age of all things smart, the concept of simplifying is not about dumbing down your processes, but rather about sophisticated simplicity. Processes and technologies that are not just easier to deploy, but easier to, easier to adapt, evolve, and use. Ultimately, the goal is to enable not just more responsive business decisions and flexible operational strategies, but logical operations that can easily be adapted by existing and new employees. In doing so, organizations can remove friction, augment what works well, enable what increases speed and efficiencies, and create new value along the way. The article includes some great advice on how to simplify in four key areas, your target operating model, your data strategy and integration, your tech stack, and your processes. To summarize, their keep it simple mantra means the fewer moving parts, the easier to deploy, connect, train, and replace the elements of your organization that might be weighing you down. This is a very good, very informative read. And lastly, this week's Smart Building Best Practice Showcase Project Spotlight features Intensity, Snyder Electric's state-of-the-art regional headquarters. 
Intensity, their newest building of the future, was built to consolidate its 5,000 Grenoble, France employees. They had previously been spread out over 13 sites across the city. The building is all electric, all digital, and designed to use 10 times less energy than the average European building. Equipped with photovolactic panels, wind turbines, and on-site energy storage, Intensity is energy autonomous. Through a unique grid partnership, microgrid partnership, this energy is also shared with neighboring buildings and the city itself. Showcasing a data-driven design and build, the site is hyper-efficient, fully flexible, and human-centric. And that's a recap of this week's news. You can read these articles in our weekly briefing by visiting our website and clicking the news link at the top. Yeah, that Schneider project, um, you, that whole um, smart building showcase, something I think we've been doing about seven, eight years now, the nuggets of, of information in those projects. I mean, people con conceptualize, theorize on what a smart building looks like. We've got hundreds and hundreds of projects that quantify exactly what is that smart building. What did they do with air? What did they do with access control? And that Schneider project is absolutely one. If you're thinking about smart buildings, you don't know what they are, click on that profile, read it. It's got yeah. challenges in there. It's got successes in there. A really quick read to understand what, what a particular smart building looks like. There's also a, a link to a video that's very informative as well, showing how they connected all these buildings together. Cool. Thank you. Great job you. for Howard. Uh, I know he's on the road, uh, busy at some forums, and you and Lisa are doing a great job. So thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Before I wrap and tell you about next week, let's hear from our final sponsor. All right, so next week, we are gonna dig deeper into another interesting topic, important, but um, uh, from a technical standpoint, very interesting, mixed reality. So we've got augmented reality, mixed reality, virtual reality. We've got people running around with goggles. Everybody says we're gonna spend our lives wearing goggles. I'm not so sure, I'm not going to. But there is some real practical areas where mixed reality goggles uh, or, or technologies for that matter, can be used inside the built environment. I remember five years ago uh, over uh, at the Irvine company where they showed me a demo of a virtualized conference room and it literally had me ducking down and, and looking under the table, the virtual table, it was that real. I went on to the windows and I looked outside. Uh, I remember probably seven, eight years ago being at Sprint's headquarters in Kansas City and uh, they were not doing it yet, but they were toying around with the idea of technicians wearing goggles to uh, look at equipment and to bring in technical expertise where they couldn't handle something on a particular repair or maintenance operation. And, and you'd have specifications and other engineers with you while you were working on that equipment, all being done virtually. So we have got a great uh, group set up for next week. Confirmed, we've got Stuart Appley and Miguel Tria Vidal from CBRE. They are doing some phenomenal work and given the size of that organization, you can only imagine the, the, the different areas of practice that they've had. And then if all works out, we've got three phenomenal women who are rock stars of the AR, VR, M, M, mixed reality world. 
um, that are going to share not just what's going on in real estate, but some of the applications happening um, out in the general world. And on that note, it's not mixed reality, but another really crazy um, technology that we'll be talking about in the weeks and months to come AI. I think uh, in the next couple of days, if I'm not mistaken, Elon Musk is going to be announcing or showing his new robot. Uh, I think it's kind of scary in some respects. We've had some sneak previews of this. I think it's in the next 24, 48 hours, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, I encourage all of you to keep your eye open for that because I think we're going to start to see how uh, AI and robotics are going to start coming together and they certainly have a place in, in the built environment. So with that, I'd like to say thank you to our guests. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our team for putting this together. And this wraps another episode of Realcom Live and we will see you next Friday. Uh, you be well and have a great weekend. Take care.